A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. You're listening to Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official expanded universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com. There is a great disturbance in the force. That's right, Whistler. Welcome to episode 255 of Star Wars Beyond the Films, your Star Wars discussion podcast, your podcast of legends as well as canon, your ticket to that galaxy far, far away. Our episodes broadcast on the Star Wars Report website, second airborne division of podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes can also be found on iTunes, Zoom, as well as Stitcher, and even Spotify, as well as right on our own Twitter and Facebook pages at SW Beyond Films. Hey, but enough about how you got here. Let's get this show started. I'm one of your hosts, the defender of the EU, the champion of the multiverse, the bipolar Star Wars fan, Mark Herleman, and with me like perfect 2020 vision working only in hindsight, the doctor of timelines and a Wookiee-sized Star Wars fan in his own right, our own Dr. Jim Lehane. I thought we agreed never to mention 2020 again. That's true. I, I, I forgot about that. That's uh, That's strike that from the record (laughs) (laughs) speaking of not talking about 2020 Mm -hmm. so jim all around the star wars fan community shows have gotten together and have created a star wars podcast day a celebration of our fan audio community yeah star wars podcast day is a positive fan event that falls every february 7th and like may the 4th we hope it will be a day long remembered in our community shows will be using the hashtag Star Wars Podcast Day or hashtag SWPD2021. So to help facilitate this fan holiday, we've released this episode on Star Wars Podcast Day, February 7th, the day the very first Star Wars podcast, Jedi Talk, aired all those years ago in 1999. Before the term podcast was ever coined, Jim... How about that? So we know this because Nathan, he was there listening just before launching his own show. If you want to know more about that, see episode 252 of Star Wars Beyond the Films for more on how Nathan wound up the longest running Star Wars podcast around. But before we jump into our deep dive of the 2020 materials, sorry, Jim, I know I mentioned it again. uh, In accordance with today's (laughs) holiday, we're going to pause and give new listeners a quick rundown of how Jim and I got into podcasting in the first place. So for me, it was around, oh, about 2008, 09, when I first heard of podcasts in general. Uh, the first one I ever listened to, in fact, was a Firefly podcast. Uh, from there, I learned that there were Star Wars ones. Missed a few. Uh, you know, there were a few of them that were kind of like, eh, you know, they were, it seemed about right. And then some things were said where I was like, eh, maybe this isn't quite for me. At that time, I was into the Expanded Universe, uh, which was still in that whole, it's not canon argument before they actually proved legitimately that, yeah, no, it wasn't canon. Uh, but so I was looking for something that kind of just struck a chord with me, and that's when I stumbled across EUCast, EU Cantina's Expanded Universe podcast. Uh, after discovering Andrew Loopy was going to be leaving the show to start the EU review with Nathan Butler, in fact, I was one of three individuals who applied to replace him. Riley Banton was one of the other applicants, in fact. He and I, we would later join forces on a short stint when uh, I was on EUCast, where he and I did the show by ourselves, before later he and his sister Bethany Blanton would launch the Bothan Report on uh, Solo Sound. Eventually, I joined them as their 
EU correspondent because neither one of them really read many of the other books and they wanted to have kind of a heavy hit in that uh, direction. So I joined them. And after a short time, we ended up rebranding the show under our own network, founded and launched the Star Wars Work podcast, as well as the website, and eventually brought more shows onto our second Airborne Division podcast network. When we added the likes of the Wampas Lair, Stars Beyond the Films, Star Wars Bookworms, Cloud City Casino, Rebels Roundtable, The Padawan Perspective, Ion Cannon, Star Wars Tonight, and The Mandocast. But enough about me and the network. Jim, how'd you get caught up in all this podcasting business, my man? Uh, well, like you, I started listening to podcasts back in probably the late uh, 2000s. Um, I started with uh, the, the, the well-listened to Forcecast um, as it kind of went through its changes and uh, eventually stopped listening to that for various reasons. Um, but yeah, I jumped on a bunch of different podcasts and I kind of, it seemed like something I wanted to do at times. And I eventually got invited to be on a podcast. It was a little unknown podcast called Star Wars Beyond the Films. Um, and I was uh, invited to the Air of the Jedi episode back in uh, episode 170. That was the first podcast I did. Yeah. And and so if you want to listen how I didn't know what I was doing, that was a good episode to to start with. Uh, but then um, I eventually started writing for a website, AIPTcomics.com, and they had their own podcast that I jumped in for a little while. It eventually ended, but uh, a couple of the guys on there uh, and me started our own podcast um, called Star Wars in Poor Taste, and eventually we renamed it to Talkin' Tauntauns, and that's where – that's my main podcast uh, that I do. We're now doing it – trying to do it weekly um, as well as I'm – then joined on to this podcast in the middle of last year. So that's, uh, I, I'm apparently, um, podcast, podcast prolific. Mm, yes. Yeah, it is like that. It seems like once you're in one and then you get into a second one, everyone's like, Hey, uh, we want to have you chime in on this subject. <laughs> I mean, I do a, a, a Marvel cast with David Senden, but I don't do it as often as the star Wars shows as much as I love Marvel and stuff. There's just so much content out there as we're about to get into with this episode's actual uh, topic. Uh, there's just so much stuff coming out each year. It's really hard to Pokemon it. You know, the got to catch them all mentality uh, and digest. Digesting it all, as you're going to find out, listeners, as me and Jim are talking about the 2020, I'm sorry, Jim, uh, publishing mm -hmm. and all that of Star Wars that came out last year. There's just some stuff that he and I both just didn't have time to get into and get through. Uh, but that's OK, because luckily, kind of like where I lean on books, he was leaning on comics. So we kind of have it all covered anyway. So uh, with that, we'll move away from the Star Wars podcasting day uh, action. Salute to all you out there listening on that day and this holiday event. And with that, we're going to go right into the goods. Star Wars Beyond the Films, we asked the tough questions. Questions that have bothered you for a long time or simple ones that have perplexed you off and on. You ponder about Star Wars and so do we. This episode, we take a look once again back over the previous year of Star Wars releases. This time around, Jim and I will be trying something different as we hit the books, comics, and the uh, other stuff all in one comprehensive year-in-review episode. Now consider this your spoiler warning, Beyonders and Sentients of all ages, because here we go on another adventure, Beyond the Films.
All right, guys and gals, you know how this episode tends to go. Although, like we said, we're going to try to do it all in one. Jim has compiled a great spreadsheet of all the goodies that we're going to be getting from books to the comics to all the TV and other stuff. Uh, We've got our book publishers, Del Rey, Disney, Lucasfilm Press, Random House Audio, comic publishers, Marvel, IDW, Yen Press, and so on and so forth. But... With that, let's just jump right into the books. Um, one of the only audiobooks that we got this year was the Dr. Afra audiobook. Um, in fact, I was listening to that again a little earlier this morning. Um, you know, I, Dr. Afra is one of those characters, Jim, I absolutely love. I haven't got to read all of her stuff yet. It's one of the ones that I've fallen behind on because it's more comic-based, and definitely comics has taken the back seat uh through 2019, 2020 for me. Um, but I did get this one. I wanted to catch up on it. It had the full audio cast. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, it's something I hope we get more of. I feel like with the Dooku audio book the year before that. And then this one, like it's kind of like something we're kind of delving into. And I'd like to see more of these books come forward. Um, with Dooku, it was more of an original content. With Dr. Afro, it was more like the original comic kind of readapted in a sense. Uh, but I, I thought it was pretty cool. Really exciting aspect. Uh, books, we got Black Spire Return to Shattered Planet. It was published in the paperback edition at Galaxy's Edge Black Spire. Uh, there's L and Me. From a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back, which was that collection of authors that come together to tell little small stories. We have the Poe Dameron Freefall. Uh, Queen's Peril, which was a really fun little book. Shadowfall, which is the uh, Alphabet Squadron's second book in the trilogy. Uh, you know, that one, it's getting a little better. I, I'm excited for where that one's going, but like the sequel trilogy itself, it kind of all hinges on that third book for me if I like the first two. Uh, the first two are kind of like, meh, enough that if they don't stick the landing, the whole series is going to feel meh to me. But if they stick the landing, I can forgive the weird pacing of the first two books and take it for what it is. All right, so in regards to the Dr. Afra, um, I, I wrote audiobook here, but it's really the audio drama because we did get a bunch of the audiobooks of the novels, but this is the only standalone audio drama that we got. And I 100% agree with you. I like where they're going with these. I liked the Dr. Afra a lot more than the, the Count Dooku one, but the Count Dooku one was still fine. And um, it not only was it an adaptation of the comics, it kind of was its own thing, too. It, it was like a mix of if you read the comics, this would be a fun, like, additional in-between scenes sometimes. Mm. Uh, um, the Black Spire Return to the Shattered Planet. That is the first time I've even hearing about that was putting it in this list. I did not know that, that we had exclusive fiction for the paperback edition of any books in canon at all. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't, I, I'm still caught, trying to catch up on a lot of the, the books from this year. Like I haven't read, I read Queen's Peril. That was a lot of fun. I'm in the middle of Shadowfall right now. And I 100% agree with you. The first book I did not a hundred percent love. Mm-hmm. The second book, I actually, I'm listening to the audiobook of it. And the first three and a half hours of the book, I had to stop and restart because I had no clue as to what was going on. I literally couldn't tell you anything that was happening in the book. Mm-hmm. And so I started it again. I got a little better, but still that first three and a half hours was, is rough. Um, but since then, I'm almost done with the book, and it's gotten a lot better, like a lot better from that point. So I think it was. I think that the beginning part's just a little rough. <laughs> um, 
Right. There there are a lot. And I think that's definitely one of the things, you know, when people are like, well, Legends had way too many books. It was inaccessible. I'm like, well, Disney is on a track, a fast track to get right back to there at the amount of books and stuff that they're putting out. Like, it's just a matter of time before we reach that same oversaturation threshold. And we'll prove that it was never really an oversaturation at all. We just were looking for an excuse to reboot. <laughs> uh, getting back into it, we've got Star Wars A Jedi You Will Be. Uh, one of those kids' books, there's Star Wars Complete Vehicles, the new edition, Galaxy's Edge Traveler's Guide to Batu. There's Star Wars Origami 2, Electric Boogaloo. I mean, uh, <laughs> 34 <laughs> more projects from a galaxy far, far away. Uh, you know, if you're into folding paper, this is the book for you. Uh, there's Star Wars Unfolds, the original trilogy. Sounds weird. Uh, I'm like, is that an origami book too? Uh, Star Wars. I I had to I had to look that one up because you're right. It seems weird. It's basically I think it's like a board book um, oh. that you open up and the story kind of unfolds with the book. Oh, those 3D books. Those are always fun, especially for kids. I mean, who are we kidding here? Uh, there's Use the Force, <laughs> Discover What It Takes to Be a Jedi, which sounds awfully close to a Jedi you will be <laughs> if you're going to judge a book by its <laughs> license anyway or the title there uh let's see there's uh Star Wars book of lists that sounds that sounds boring <laughs> Star Wars fascinating <laughs> facts <laughs> Star Wars the Jedi mind and uh, that one was by Amy Ratcliffe uh excited one there I, any kind of little kids books excite me because it's something I get to take and Jaina just naturally assumes if it's a kid's book, it's sent to her. And so I've kind of rolled with that. I'm like, yeah, you know, they're sending books for me to let you read. And she gets a kick out of that. So that was one that I'm enjoying for her. Uh, let's see. Fascinating Facts Jedi Mind. The Lightsaber Collection. That one sounds boring, but it's actually kind of intriguing. Like, it's got all different lightsaber hilts and facts about different lightsabers owned by different characters throughout the saga. thought that was kind of cool. Uh, Star Wars The Mandalorian. The Art and Imagery Collector's Edition. Volume 1. Because, you know, there's going to be more. Uh, the Mandalorian Season 2, the poster book. I actually have both of those. Um, those are actually kind of cool. The only downside I would say with the poster books is that sometimes there are really cool posters back-to-back and you have to pick which one you want to display. I think that's the only downside about those poster books. Like They utilize the heck out of both sides of the pages and it can be a detriment to your wall if you really like certain imagery. Um, let's see. There's the art of star Wars rebels published the art of star Wars rise of Skywalker, the art of the Mandalorian season one clone wars stories of light and dark published. That one was actually pretty cool because it was a collection of episodes that were redone and you got to kind of get into the characters heads a little bit. Um, the Mandalorian, a clan of two Mandalorian allies and enemy enemies, Gosh, the Mandalorian allies and enemas would have been exciting. <laughs> uh, the you Mandalorian broke in on that joke before I can get there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, the Mandalorian. This is the way the Star Wars archives, episode one through uh, three, nineteen ninety nine through two thousand five, was published. The Star Wars book published physically. Uh, this is Luke was published. One of my favorites of twenty twenty. Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising was published. What is the story of Princess Leia was published. And, of course, William Shakespeare, The Merry, the Merry Rise of Skywalker. Um, I know that one would have been right up Nathan's alley. He loved those Shakespeare uh, adaptations. Uh, we also have a list of kids' books from uh, The Jedi Academy at Last Jedi was published. R2-D2 is Lost. That was a really cute one, the art, and that one was great. Jane absolutely loved that one. Uh, Jedi Star Wars... Or Star Wars Jedi Training Lightsaber Soundbook. 
Star Wars A New Hope was republished as a kid's book. Uh, Star Wars Extraordinary Droids was published. How to Speak Astromech with BB-8 was published. I Am a Padawan, uh, Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, and of course Rise of Skywalker, the junior novelization, as well as the Rise of Skywalker Little Golden Book was published. Uh, quite a few of the kids' books out there that came out. Um, if you're looking to get your little one into Star Wars, this is a great era of Star Wars to do it. They got lots of little fun kids' stories. Um, you get stuff with Katie Cook, uh, her illustrations, just a lot of really cool kids' books. You know, I mean, as somebody who's been collecting Star Wars books for over 10-plus years now, you know, the kids' books have really come a long way in the content that are in them. I mean, you used to get those like little readers, what one, two, three, four, and five and stuff would be like a couple of pictures and a few words and stuff. These ones, it's like page to page illustrations with just, you know, little tiny tidbits inside of it. Really fun for reading to your kid and your kid just jumping into it. They don't have to read the words to understand what's going on. I, I think that's a really cool aspect of kids books. Actually, that's a, out of all the books you read, I haven't read a lot of these. I don't, uh, collect the nonfiction uh, books, so I don't have most of those, if any of those. Um, but it's the kids' books that really kind of stand out. They're not like the uh, the reader books. These are stand on their own kids' books with real Star Wars artists doing the artwork, like Katie Cook, and they are like beautiful little books to have, and they take five minutes to read, but they're just fun to kind of flip through and look at the art that's in them. Like R2-D2 is lost. It was a lot of fun. And the, the Jedi Academy series uh, where we got the, the last one at Last Jedi, that was actually I, – I liked that one. It was written kind of like a, a journal entry sort of thing where kids entering the uh, Jedi Academy um, back a couple hundred years before, uh, before the movies. And so uh, the, things like that I actually really enjoy. Um, of the other books that we – that you went over – I don't know if I've actually read most of all or any of them except for maybe the oh the Traveler's Guide to Batu I read, and that was a fun book because I miss I miss Galaxy's Edge um, I miss being able to go I was planning on going for Celebration which was supposed to be last year as well and that got canceled, and so it's uh, it was fun reading the book trying to like get what I wasn't able to get when I was uh, gonna go for um for the 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 convention right that that's what i'm looking forward to because i haven't got to go to batu yet and when i was reading uh you know black spire and the other books that were centrally located on the planet and at the station i really got a kick out of the way they felt like they were describing the park um and and because i haven't been to the park i can't get the oh yeah that's that reference oh yeah kind of thing that like you're talking about and i'm looking forward to that like so there's books like that and stuff that like i haven't got yet because i feel like what's the point of getting it and reading it now when i'm gonna miss a lot of those kind of easter eggs or those references the deep dive kind of aspects like i want to get that out of it so i'm gonna wait you know i'm gonna wait till i go to batu and see it now for me the question is with all this covid chaos Disneyland being closed, Disney World being open, and Disney World having that Star Wars uh, cruise ship. I'm like, maybe I just say bag it all and I just go to Disney World and take that cruise ship to Batu and make that my first Batu experience. Like, that just sounds expensive, eh? But it sounds like a heck of a lot of fun, man. It does sound like a heck of a lot of fun. And my family has already said they will not be doing it with me. What? Um, but oh. they, they sometimes renege on that. So I'll probably, yeah, I'll be doing that definitely. 
So, so, but so it's, um, did they say they're yeah, not they, going to do it because they don't want to do like the LARP with you or, or, or what? I mean, was they give you a reason or are they just toying with you? <laughs> they don't want to, they don't want to be locked into the, um, hotel when rest of Disney world is there. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. I could see that. I mean, cause yeah, it does kind of seem to be like, well, you're committed to playing this out. <laughs> Pretty much. It's a, from what they've said, like a three day thing. You arrive one day, you have a whole second day, and then you leave the third day. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you're kind of locked into it for that time period. And it sounds absolutely fantastic for me. They just posted updated pictures yeah. last night of the rooms uh, and stuff. Yeah. The, instead of the concept art, the actual um, things, which look just like the concept art. And mm-hmm. so I'm. I, I'm excited. Yeah, COVID is uh, definitely turned things inside out of when we're supposed to expect this stuff. But at least they're still slowly working on this because they were supposed to have uh, reservations open for that at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. And and that clearly didn't happen. Right. Yeah, definitely shifted things up. So that ends the uh, books aspect of 2020. Uh, with that, we'll move into comics. Jim, you want to lead us into the comic area? Well, just or you, uh, uh, there's a couple of books that uh, were missed: the Rise of Skywalker um, expanded edition mm. and Dark Legends. Oh yes, that's right. How could I have forgotten Dark Legends? That one was fun, man. Um, that one was the uh, sequel to the uh, Myths and Legends that they had, or Myths and Fables. Um, Myths and Fables, yeah. And honestly, I actually. I enjoyed the first one, but I think I might have got a bigger kick out of the second one. What about you? Uh, Myths and Fables. So I got uh, actually I have two versions of it. I got the original version that came out and I wasn't a huge fan of it. And then I got the Galaxy Z special edition. I ordered it. You can get it through Disney shops dot com. And I, I got that one. And I actually really liked the, uh, the special that special edition because it has a special binding. It's more as if you were in Batu picking up this book and it's written from the in-universe perspective. And so they, like, Ooh. remove all the other stuff and it has a special binding. And um, I really enjoyed it. And they had a bunch of extra stories that are exclusive to this book. There's also a Target exclusive version, which has some of those extra stories. There are three versions of this book that have, like, different numbers of stories. But if you get the Galaxy's Edge one, it has all of the stories. Oh, I had to get that. And it's, and some of those stories are set in Batu that are exclusive to that book. And so those are the ones I really enjoyed. Um, and I have not read Dark Legends. It's it's on my pile here of uh, stuff to get to shortly. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Again, they have the Target and the regular version, and the Target has extra stories in it. And so I, I picked up the Target version. I, I would bet, like the last one, they'll probably have a Batu version that has extra stuff. I mean, I, I I haven't finished the book, but it being a collection of really short stories, I've got it in my backpack and I pull it out when I don't have a lot of time. So I was in the middle of reading that when Thrawn came out. So I set it off to the side. I read through Thrawn. Mm. Um, then I started to get the High Republic stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. Well, we're just going to just jump into this. But I was going back and forth and I read a couple stories here and there between breaks and stuff. What I think I like the most about it is is what it adds to the old Republic big era. You know, I mean, because they don't lock in where these things are at. They just say, oh, a long time ago or way in the past or the ancient this, that, the other thing. But there are a lot of mentions of Sith, uh, Sith Lords and such 
that I just, that's my bread and butter right now in canon because we don't know a lot about the history of the Jedi, the history of the Sith and how they existed in canon. I mean, when it comes to legends, you know, you just listen to me and Jim talk about uh, tales of the Jedi. There was a lot going on with the Sith and the evolution of the Sith species, the Sith order, um, how the Sith, you know, were involved with the Jedi and all that. But all that has been kind of like cast aside. You get hints from that and even while reading the High Republic that certain aspects of the old legends time frame have existed and still exist in canon, but they haven't locked in which exact ones. We know there was a Sith War. Uh, we know certain events have happened and stuff like that. Just a mention of, but there's really been nothing that has comprehensively given us like, you know, this date, this big event happened or anything like that. So you get like these stories that kind of like, in passing, there's a mention to something. I just that is stuff I just eat up. And I, even when they're doing it in the High Republic books, they'll slip something in here or there and stuff like there's there's a character that modifies a weapon, and the weapon is reminiscent to a character from Legends that we've seen use a similar weapon. But when this character is mentioning it, she's referencing that this weapon was was used specifically back during the Sith Wars by a certain aspect of the people fighting in the war. That's pretty cool stuff, man. I just that's the kind of stuff I really get a kick out of. And Dark Legends is from cover to cover just that. Just really cool old stories about the past and uh, have dark connotations to them. And I just love it, man. And I want to say it's it's uh uh done by Joe Schreiber even. Uh no, I think Dark Legends is done by the same one who did the same person who did uh Myths and Legends, um, George Mann. Oh, you're right, right. Yeah, George Mann. Joe Schreiber did another one recently that I can't think of what the hell it was. He, he, Joe Schreiber did the junior novelization of The Mandalorian Season 1. That's what it was. And, and that is one of those, like, we'll call it casting, that just blows my mind. I'm like, why would you get Joe Schreiber of horror books and Star Wars horror to do the junior novelization of season one. It just doesn't, uh, that doesn't even like make sense to me. Yeah. I was like immediately like, are they trying to make this a little more creepy than it was? <laughs> yeah. So I just want to like finish up the, the fiction, the, the, like the straight uh, prose fiction. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, for the for the year, and so we have Insider, which came out with issues one ninety five through one ninety nine, um, which has not had fiction in it in a long time. Mm-hmm. But they just released with uh, epi- issue one ninety nine a new fiction story, and so that one is a prequel, um, kind of a prequel. It's kind of takes place at the same time as the very beginning of the book, um, and then a little bit before. The, um, the Light of the Jedi book, mm. but the, they're planning on having fiction stories continue because um, this one's called Starlight Part One Go Together. Mm. And so that that was, it was an interesting story. It followed, um, if you listen to our, um, our The Light of the Jedi episode, we didn't even like really mention these characters all that much, mm-hmm. but it followed uh, Joss and... Pika, I believe. Yeah, Pika, um, who were the non-Jedi technicians, really. Yeah, the married uh, couple. From the fir- yes, yes. They were from the first um, part of the book that were helping out the Jedi. And it kind of set up why they were with the Jedi to begin with. Oh, okay. 
See, I, I'm having a rough time with Insider because, like, I dropped Insider majorly for the fact that they ditched the fiction. That was, like, my, yes. my final straw. But honestly, I was I was leaning... Like, the fiction was the only thing that kept me around. Insider had become more about, like, how this creature in the film was created and that. And, like, I... You know, like we were talking before we started recording the show, when I first got into Insider, it was actually a gamer magazine that I got into because I liked A, that it had the fiction, B, it had uh, internal layouts of ships and it had character uh, species and things like that. All these really cool characters and stuff. I really enjoyed that side of things. And then when gamers stopped at issue 10, they shifted us right into Insider magazine to finish off our subscription. And I kept it because there were still short stories and stuff. And there was occasional things uh, that I liked, but it just became so much more about the production of making the movies. And like, I, I wasn't there for that. That wasn't what I was for. And now that it's come back, I'm like, is my decision to stay outside of Insider going to bite me in the butt? Because like, you know, the old short stories and stuff eventually got collected in the paperback editions. But right now in canon, I'm collecting the hardcovers. I'm not getting the paperbacks. The paperbacks are those weird, really tall and skinnier versions. And I'm like, eh, you know, I don't. So I'm kind of like watching this and hoping to God I'm not making a bad choice. <laughs> like, will I never see these again? You know, because like there is a chunk of that when it comes to hunting down the insider magazines. There, There was... That was a, a part of my collection that I could never get all of what I didn't have. It was really hard to collect in the first place, the older issues. And so now I'm like, well, now am I doing the same thing where I'm, I'm passing on something that might be that rare once in a, in a lifetime opportunity for me to get this fiction? I don't know. We'll see. I'm 100% with you. I started on Insider when I found out they had fiction. And it probably it may have been right when they started releasing the fiction. And so I... I um, signed up and I've been with Insider ever since and only because I collected the fiction but I'm also one of those um, that pain in the ass uh, need to collect them all type personalities and so if I have like issues 1 in, uh, 20 through 130 and then they have no fiction then 133 I will have to get the ones in the middle like I can't just skip those and so eventually I went back and I, uh, I collected all of the insiders and it is a pain to do. You're right. And right now insider the, in the U S at least, I think the UK started at issue number one, but insider in the U S starts at issue number 23. And that's because it kicks off. Uh, it's a continuation of the Lucasfilm fan club uh, magazine. And so now I'm trying to collect those because they don't have any fiction, but I can't start at 23. <laughs> that's <just> weird. <laughs> Um, and so I'm missing, I'm still missing a couple of those, but I have almost all those now. Those are also very difficult to find, but yeah, I just, just I keep on collecting because it's, uh, that mentality. I can't, I can't have gaps. Right. Right. Well, another thing, uh, EA games website has put out some online fiction. Uh, and unfortunately, no, it's not legends content like they've done in the past, but we do have legends content coming up later in the episode. Uh, this would be for Count to Three, uh, which was a, a short story for the Squadrons. And then there was also The Light That You Bring, um, another online little short story. I have not read them yet, um, but I, was, I, I didn't know they had two. I knew they had The Light You Bring was the one I was aware of. I didn't know they had two of them until I put this together. Yeah, so what's the light you bring about? Because I, the other one, I know it's the uh, uh, squadron story set. You know, it's a little I, short story. 
I think they're both squadrons. Okay, both in the same. Which makes sense, I mean, because that's what they were doing when they were putting out the Legend stuff, as it was tying into the Old Republic MMO game and stuff. So, you know, even though Legend had ended in 2014, uh, which which has always been one of those things, like, I'm surprised no one ever mentioned it, aside from, you know, just short references that me and Nathan and you put out on our year in review episodes. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, this is... Um, uh, the Light You Bring is a... Features a mission by Vanguard Squadron, which is the the squadron in Squadrons, and so yeah, I, I was going to get to that once I finished Squadrons, which I have not finished. Me too. I, I'm still in my first couple missions. Like I, I go back and forth when I do have a chance to play the game. I'm like, do I finish Fallen Order or do I jump right into Squad? I go right into Squadrons because I'm still trying to dial in my controls. Like I haven't quite found the the layout that I like the best. Uh, I kind of, I get the, the roll and the turn kind of start to screw me up. After a while, I forget which one's which. And definitely, I'm like, ah! definitely. It's weird the way they have the joystick set up. It's not normal, um, not normal how I'm used to mm-hmm. it. And I can't, you know, like I still remember playing Starfighter and Jedi Starfighter and loving the way that they had those set up, but yet I can't seem to duplicate that yet. <laughs> All right, so the first comic that we have, the first one I'll mention is Legends. And this is, as far as I'm aware, the only new Legends content that we got this year. Unless you consider the uh, Star Wars Episode One Racer re-release. <laughs> <laughs> no, not new. <laughs> uh, and it was the, the, the Forever Crimson... Uh, comic of the issue number 108 of the Marvel Comics original line, uh, which they continue, which was a continuation of um, issue number 50. And it was all right. Um, I think the main purpose of this comic was really to get people excited for the Bounty Hunters series. Right. Even though this is in Legends and Bounty Hunters is in Canon, um, it brings in. uh, Valence, yeah, Va- Valence from Legends to Canon, who Valence has been in Canon for actually a little bit of time, but uh, it, he kind of gets center stage in the Bounty Hunters comic. And so that this kind of uh, refreshed people's minds, I think, for uh, who were Legends fans and carried over into Canon. Right. Yeah. I, I think it's a twofold, too, because A, it allows them to do kind of like what they did with Thrawn with Rebels by bringing him over in that regard. But it also does something that I have been mentioning since the moment they rebranded the EU as Legends. Was I had said originally, once Episode 9 was over, we may see a comeback to Legends. Well, this would have been a great way to test that market. You're putting out something that is definitely a new Legends material. How many fans are going to buy it? Um, You know, because, I mean, there's definitely that aspect of fandom I don't personally consider myself part of that aspect, but there is the aspect of fandom that if it's not canon, it doesn't count, and therefore I won't buy it. Um, And so when you put anything out there that is specifically not canon, those fans are not going to get it. And then it's a question of how much revenue will the other fans bring that are specifically seeking out that word legends? Because like for a fan like myself, I would love to see... Sword of the Jedi come out at some point, you know, go back to Legends, give mm-hmm. me something with Jaina. I mean, I don't see a reason why in an 
in a world where you can have multiple versions of Spider-Man swinging around in their own multiverse kind of thing, why we can't have the Legends universe put out news stories right next to the Legends books that are being published reprinted. I got I've never understood that aspect. Like why it's okay to sell a reprinted Legends book but it's not okay to create new Legends content because that's confusing. That idea is confusing to me because if you're worried about one confusing the other, then you shouldn't be selling either one. And I understand why they're selling the old stuff because they want to make that money. But it's just a missed opportunity to continue to, you know, A, cash in on the love that the fans have and B, give the fans that love Legends something to love again. I mean... I, I, you know, I'm in that weird conflicted place because I've named my kids after characters from Legends. So I want to see, you know, either those names crossovers. I can be like, yeah, my kid's named after Star Wars character. And I don't have to explain how. <laughs> <laughs> or just give me my Legends and let it continue so I can at least be like, yeah, they're from that alternate universe. Because, like, to me, it makes no sense why you have to have them separate in the aspect of we can never publish new stories of this one, but we're going to go ahead and go with this one. And yet then we go and we do this where we put out that one comic and bam, you've got that. So I, I think that they're testing that water at the same time when they did that. But what worries me is I don't think they got the numbers that they felt they needed to continue to tell new legend stories, because I think had they done it, that we'd probably had something in the pipeline coming down already. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, in regards to not getting the numbers that they were expecting, this I think they did a very bad plan of what they were doing. Releasing like they're, they're by releasing it as one hundred eight, mm-hmm. they're definitely targeting those people who were fans of the old Marvel line. And I'm assuming a lot of them who are fans of the old Marvel line haven't actually read the old Marvel line. They're just fans of it as uh, something that it is. Right. And so they they also released issue number fifty, which is the. 108 was a sequel too, so people kind of caught up on the storylines. But I read these 20 years ago. Like I could, I couldn't tell you any any of the details of any of the stories in the original Marvel line. Like, right, unless it has Jackson in it. I don't. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I mean, and looking too at the trades, looks like there's quite a few legends uh, retraded out there. They've put out what the. Legends Epic Collections Legacy Volume 3, uh, Epic Collections Tales of the Jedi Volume 1, Epic Collections The Clone Wars Volume 3, uh, Epic Collections The Empire Volume 6, Epic Legends Collections The Rebellion Volume 4, the original trilogy, the movie adaptation, which, like, that's a weird one, because, like, how does that fall under, I mean, I guess, yeah, it falls under, I don't know, that seems like an odd one. Anytime you're doing a movie adaptation, I feel like that also falls into canon, but the way that the movies also fall into legends as their bedrock. Like, I guess that works. <laughs> it does make me stop and question. Yeah, it's basically, those are the dark horse adaptations of the original trilogy. Um. So it's, yeah, it, it's a weird one. It's not legends, but it is legends. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got, let's see, uh, uh, volume 13 rebels and rogues was published, uh, from the journal of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the trade paperback came out age of rebellion, the hardcover age of resistance, the hardcover, uh, bounty hunters, volume one galaxy's deadliest. Uh, there's Darth Vader, dark Lord of the Sith, volume two, Darth Vader, volume one, dark heart of the Sith, Dr. Aphra, volume seven, a rogues end and fallen Jedi order, dark temple. As well as Target Vader and Rise of Kylo Ren. 
And that's just the Marvel stuff. We haven't even got to IDW yet. Yeah, well, that's just the the trade paperbacks. Um, For the comics uh, that are the canon comics, we have Star Wars issues 1 through 9, which included the Destiny Path, uh, the Will of Tarkin, and the start of Operation Starlight. And for both, actually, all all of the ongoing series, they all restarted at 1 to follow um, Empire Strikes Back. And so all of these are starting with number 1 again. Now, did they put anything in the title that tells the casual fan that this number one, like, for example, takes place after Empire Strikes Back versus the last number one that took place after A New Hope? Because I'm assuming that by the time we get to Return of the Jedi, we'll start over again with a new number one after that. But I don't think there's anything that really tells them in the title or anything like, hey, this is after this movie or anything, which, you know, to those that are in the know, like you, a timeliner, like, it just makes sense. But... To someone not paying attention, they're looking up Vader. Like, how do they know which volume they're looking for? That's that's the one thing about resetting the timeline on your numbers that Marvel has always done that never really made sense to me. Because, like, they'll do that with Spider-Man, right? They'll get close to, like, number 700, and then when they get to 700, they're like, and now we're going to restart it at number one. So what would be 701 is now one. And then when you get, like, up to, like, 200 and something, they're like, well, now we're going to go back to 900 because we're really close to coming into 1,000, and that's really big. Like, it makes tracking the comics and collecting the comics and stuff very hard. And that is definitely a Marvel Comics approach to how they number things. Because that whole, we got to keep it accessible. Like, I, that's always bothered me. <laughs> yeah, I'd say of all of those, Darth Vader is probably the hardest one to keep track of. Because it um, the, the first run uh, was after A New Hope. The second run was after um, Revenge of the Sith. And now the third run is after... Um, the Empire Strikes Back, and so they're more jumping around, whereas the original Star Wars, the the just plain Star Wars title, uh, has continued on. But you're right; there is, especially in the name, there's no indication that it's uh, during Empire and after Empire. But if you read the story, it's blatantly obvious that they're overlapping with Empire. Oh, uh, they they definitely call it out, and in the like the little uh, scrawl that's in the beginning. Um, they, they give it, they give enough like layout that this is, uh, Luke turns away from Darth Vader or, uh, in the Darth Vader one, it's like his son turns away from uh, his offer to join him. And so it's blatantly obvious that we're dealing with the post empire, but just looking at the cover of the comic, you wouldn't be able to tell that. Hmm. So of the new stuff that's going, um, I haven't read all of it. I've read a couple here and there. I would just say randomly, after I've not been able to read all of it, that Vader is probably going to be the solid one. Now, you, Jim, you've read most of these. What would you say is the highlight of the new stuff in 2020? All right. Well, let's get through the the rest of the the list here. We got Darth Vader 1 through 8 came out this year, which was Dark Heart of the Sith and Start of Into the Fire. Uh, Dr. Aphra 1 through 6, which was Fortune and Fate and the Start of the Engine Job. And Bounty Hunters 1 through 8, which was Galaxy's Deadliest, Target Valence, uh, the Terminus Gauntlet, and the finishing up of the, the Rise of Kylo Ren series, which there was no um, short series this year. It was all uh, all of their ongoing series, um, except for the Rise of Kylo Ren, which wrapped up. But I would say of these, my favorite was um, I've been liking Into the Fire uh, from Darth Vader. Um, I love Dr. Aphra pretty much all, always. Mm-hmm. Uh she, she's absolutely that storyline is absolutely fantastic, and I just like 
being a paleontologist, I like the or I, I I've wanted to be an archaeologist at first, and so she she's kind of my uh, my my in to the Star Wars universe. So Jim, are you saying representation matters? Oh, I've always said representation. Amen, matters. brother. Amen. <laughs> and it's always nice when you're like, "Hey, I, I, I'm feeling you there," because like Afra is definitely yeah. one of the characters that I. I haven't read enough of her story to be able to say she's my favorite, but I definitely lean that way because like everything about the character is fun. And then from that first arc that she had, it was like, I was all in on that character. Like that's one of the few six inch series that I have got to find. (laughs) Yeah. So I'd say, yeah, definitely Dark Vader and Dr. Aphra are my favorite lines from this year. Uh, Star Wars is, uh, Star Wars is okay. The, the main line, it's okay. Bounty Hunters, is getting better, but it's definitely on the bottom of my list. I feel like the current Star Wars line is about to get really good with the tie-in to uh, Starlight Beacon and everything and with the High Republic crossing over in that mm-hmm. sense. And I think Afra may cross into that series. Like, it makes sense to have her crossover. It, it definitely makes sense, and she's dropped the High Republic um, comments uh, uh, quite a number of times saying this is from the High Republic and so on. So all of these these four main lines, not including the Rise of Kylo Ren, the, the Star Wars, Darth Vader, Dr. Aphra, and Bounty Hunters are all happening concurrently. Mm. And so there is definitely indica- indications that they're going to overlap and cross back and forth. Well, and with Afro, it's a brilliant move for them to do the High Republic era because now she becomes a character that is the, you know, the authority of information for Luke and company about the past. Like, if anyone's going to know, it's going to be her. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's a great way to go about it. I would say, I mean, granted, I haven't read all of them, but of these and and the premise behind them and then delivery of, from what I've read of it, The Rise of Kylo Ren, I feel like, is probably going to be the one that I would put on my farthest from favorite. Um, I had a lot of high hopes for that series, that story arc, uh, but the way it delivered... Definitely. It, it kind of delivered just about the same way as the rise of Skywalker hit, where I was left with a lot of questions as to how this works. <laughs> the, the rise of Kylo Ren was a great ongoing series, but it wasn't an ongoing series. And therefore, <laughs> like it was a it was a, a extended storyline that could contracted into four issues and really left so many questions that it's like, why didn't you just make this an ongoing series? Like it just, it needed to be one and they didn't do it. Right. I think for me, like right out the gate was like from the moment we saw in the last Jedi where we see that whole over the bed of Ben and Luke with the lightsaber from that moment on, I was like, what happened at the Academy? And while this gives us a, what happened at the Academy, I feel like it did it in such a way that I had no idea what happened at the Academy. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're still wondering. Uh, yeah. I'm like, happened. that was like the key. Like, and, and we didn't get a conversation between Luke, Leia and Han about, Hey, by the way, I kind of screwed up and turned your son into a, a raving psychopath. Like there's, I have questions. Damn it. <laughs> So just so you're aware, there's been an issue with Ben. He no longer goes by the name Ben now. <laughs> hey, you remember Dad's fascination with masks? <laughs> 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 he took it to a whole new level, Leia. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, all right, so moving on to the IDW line of comics. Uh, they have been releasing the Star Wars Adventures line, and the Star Wars Adventures line has kind of several subtitles within that. Their main Star Wars Adventures line, they released 30 through 32, and yes, they rebooted as well. One and two, they uh, they released, and so the I think this was more of a writer rewrite, uh, writer restart of the line as opposed to um, a storyline because the uh, Star Wars adventures have generally been all over the timeline. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this is kind of like really... with Michael uh, Bendis moving over and say Charles Scholl moving in, kind of thing, right? Yes, yes, and so it's a new writer for Star Wars Adventures, and so they just rebooted it. Like, I can get behind uh, also, that, at least. Like, at least then you've got the author, and you can be like, oh, yeah, this is the other author, this is the other set. Okay. Yeah. They also released uh, Star Wars Adventures Annual 2020, uh, The Clone Wars Battle Tales 1 through 5, Smuggler's Run 1 of 2, which is an adaptation of the uh, young adult novel Smuggler's Run, which came out. I believe, in the run-up to The Force Awakens. So that's over five years old, as far as I'm aware. Um, and the Shadow of Vader's Castle, which is continuing the Vader's Castle line of stories. Mm, yes. Yeah. So the Adventures ones, they're, they kind of remind me of the uh, the Clone Wars, Star Wars Adventures that Dark Horse put out. Like, it was one of those, like, I plan on getting them someday, just not right yet. <laughs> <laughs> They are super hit or miss, and even when they hit, they're generally okay. Like, if you were to not read any of these ever, you probably wouldn't miss anything. I'd say out of all of these stories, the one that I really, really enjoyed was Battle Tales number, I think it was five. And the reason for that was because it did a Bridge on the River Kwai type scenario where they needed to build the 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 separatists needed to have a bridge built across this gully why that makes any sense in a star wars where everything floats i don't know but they needed that um bridge built and so they had prisoners building it and the prisoner that they built had building it was obi-wan and if you know anything about the movie the bridge on the river Kwai, it was starred Alec Guinness. Nice. And so and, and so it was one of those like if you understand where they're coming from in the story, it was absolutely fantastic. The story like itself was okay, but it was more the meta con- connotations of the story that were really enjoyable for it. Mm. And, and like I I'm like uh, reading it you're like blatantly obvious this is Bridge on the River Kwai if you've ever seen the movie. Right. But when you when it clicked in, I'm like but wait, they have Obi-Wan who is also in the movie? It, it was one of those like kind of like mind blowing things that the, that the author did this, and so that was one of my, probably my favorite of all of the IDW uh, comics lines. That's cool. It's kind of like what Wandavision is doing with episodes one and two. Like, if you ever watched any Nick at Night black and white sitcoms, there's a lot of the humor. You're like, oh, that's Dobie Gillis. Oh, that's Leave It to Beaver. Oh, <laughs> but if you haven't they seen definitely... any of that, you're like, oh, this is kind of lame. It was yeah. It was definitely like Dick Van Dyke. Um, I love Lucy, uh, bewitched all of that mixed in there. We, I watched it last night and it was one of those, I did grow up on the Nick and night shows right. and it, I was sitting there going, this is 
interesting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. That was that was me too. I was like, hmm, this is very interesting. So I have to check that one out though because I that the differences there between the the bridge. Yeah, that sounds fun. Oh, now I want to see it. Dang it, Jim! Now I got now. There's two books I got to buy based off of this episode. <laughs> sorry, sorry. So IDW also released a bunch of trades of their adventures. Um, volume eight, Defend the Republic. Volume nine, Fight the Empire. Volume ten, Driving Force. And then an omnibus of Volume one and a trade paperback of Return to Vader's uh, Castle, which included, off the top of my head, Return to Vader's Castle and I think Tales from Vader's Castle. Um, and all of those folk focus around Vader's castle, obviously. Yeah, there's a lot they're, going they're just, on on that castle, man. <laughs> there, there. It, it, well, it's it's tales, of, not of the castle itself, but like told by people that are on the castle, sort of thing. And like, oh, okay. It's it, it's like they have their the basically their framing story is in the castle. And then the people who are in the story are telling other tales outside of that. Kind of like tales from Jabba's palace or tales from Mos Eisley, in a sense. Um, not really, because those were focused on the aliens around the story, where it kind of led in. These are more of if you were and I were sitting around a campfire telling ghost stories. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds actually so kind of fun. The, yeah. So the like the general like the title of that would be tales from the campfire. But it would be stories that have nothing to do with a campfire. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. Um, apparently, Random House was releasing some comics, and I saw The Empire Strikes Back and The Clone Wars Season 7, Volume 1, called Screen Comics. No idea what those are. Hmm. Um, and we had a couple of mangas released uh, Star Wars Leia, Princess of Alderaan, Volume 1, and Star Wars Rebels, Volumes 1 and 2. Um, from Yen Press, they published the English versions of those. I have not picked them up, but I do really enjoy the manga um, adaptations, and so I those are definitely on my list to grab. And then the Legends of Luke Skywalker, but from Viz Media, um, was another one that got converted into a manga. Nice. Now all mangas they all go backwards, right? That's uh, that's the style that format. Uh, unless. The, 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 like it, the uh, true to print mangas go backwards. Yes, um, they do sometimes for the English American readers will flip the book oh. and flip all the pages. They don't. They they've done that less lately. Actually, I've noticed. Uh, I, I'm not a huge manga reader, but I have kind of uh, delved in occasionally here and there. Um, and a lot of the ones I see now are just translating, but keeping the format the same. That's cool. And so you're still going back to front. And it's weird at first if you've never done it before, but you catch on pretty quick. Right. Yeah, you know, the, the worst thing for me about 2020 is now when I look at that, the word manga, all I see is MAGA. I'm just like, uh, no, there's an N in there. No, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> all right. So... Let's do video games now. Yes. So let's see. Uh, Star Wars Commander was shut down. It kind of bums me out. I stopped playing that game and was thinking about getting back into it once I started playing SimCity uh, just to find out. Nope. That's been canceled. Uh, as we mentioned, Legends had a uh, 
re redo a reprint whatever uh star wars episode one racer re-released on the playstation 4 and nintendo switch uh star wars squadrons was released uh the star wars Starf starfighter missions was launched star wars tales from the galaxy's edge uh and then of course uh i believe this is also one of our great legends one jim didn't notice that though uh, Star Wars Old Republic Onslaught Update 6.2 Echoes of Vengeance was released. Um, still haven't gotten into that game, but I am looking at getting a desktop computer again. Uh, my laptop <laughs> is starting to... Processes that would normally take 30 seconds are now taking 7 minutes to 15 minutes. So I'm like, this is my time. Uh, but I was talking about my roommate, and he's like, you know, you should think about maybe getting a desktop because you'll have more power to do this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, hmm, Okay. And I'm thinking if I do, I might get into the Old Republic because I've got Galaxy uh, and the Old Republic, bought those for the old computer, and then I never installed them, never played them. Absolutely loathe myself for that. But maybe I can rectify that. Uh, and then uh, my wife has got this one, Sims 4 Star Wars Journey to Batu. Uh, she absolutely loves the Sims games and stuff. So when that dropped, uh, she had jumped out on that. Um, they just We didn't really mention it, but there was the... Uh, the uh, Fortnite had a lot of really cool little oh, skins yeah. and stuff like that. I guess the event itself happened in 2019, but they did have all throughout 2020 little different things that were dropped, a Mandalorian skin, uh, stuff of that nature. So that was kind of cool, too. Yeah, I'm not. So uh, of, of these games, uh, I don't like app games. So I generally haven't played any of them. Like I never played Commander. Um, I never played Starfighter missions. I've started Squadrons, and I've gotten a few missions in there. That wasn't. It's it's just your what we were saying before. It's it's hard to get the the handle the 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 controls down. And for me, it's just it's that wasn't my cup of tea. Like I'm, I know people that are absolutely love the game. It's just it just wasn't for me. Um, but Tales from Galaxy's Edge, I played, I own, and I played, and I beat that game, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm looking forward to like the the what comes out of there. I like the Oculus games; um, they're a lot of fun, and they're short. This is what I I need in a game. <laughs> I need something that's short that I can beat quickly. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I, and and he's saying that with a hit to his pride. I know because that's how I feel anymore. I'm like, I used to be good at games, son. I swear. He laughs. No, no, you haven't, Dad. <laughs> No, no, yeah, I just i i don't I don't have the time and I don't have the energy. Like, mm -hmm. um, I, the way I have my Star Wars room set up is I have all my video games, uh, all, all the consoles kind of plugged in, except for the Xbox One, which is downstairs because my daughter also plays games on it. And so, I if I was to play a video game, I'd want to play it in my office, not downstairs. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I really haven't like gone down there to play these games. Ooh. If they, it was up here, I'd probably be a lot different. You are such a creature of comfort. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am. I am a creature of comfort. Well, I just I like feel I like being around my family, and if they're upstairs, I want to be upstairs too. Yeah, I feel that. I, I I found the other page where you have that list of games. I see you did have the Old Republic marked as Legends on that list. You also have the uh, Rise of the Resistance opening at Disneyland. The ride there at uh, Star Wars Land, and uh, I haven't got to see that again. I haven't been to Disneyland since any of the Star Wars stuff launched, but I got to see some of those really cool uh, videos and YouTube videos that people posted of their experience and stuff. And my God, that looks awesome. So yeah, I included that. I think it initially opened in Disney world in December of 2018. If I'm 
Right, but then it opened shortly thereafter in uh, uh, twenty or twenty nineteen. Sorry, in December twenty nineteen, and then twenty twenty in Disneyland. So we, I included it here because it is like a canon story. You are when you're on the ride. This is a story driven ride, and I went when I was in Disney World in January of last year uh, to run the marathon. We did the. Uh, I was able to get onto the the Rise of the Resistance, and it was a ton of fun. Even though I got uh, it crashed the first time I was on it, and I had to come back and start over again. It um oh the ride crash just, not the experience yeah no the the basically the one part of the ride which uh, uses um, trackless ride systems mm-hmm. uh, apparently is very prone to not working and uh, they basically kicked everybody off the ride because it wasn't going to get fixed anytime soon oh. and I was uh if you've seen parts of the ride where you're standing in a giant star destroyer hangar with all the stormtroopers there. Right. That's where I was standing waiting for this part, and that's kind of in the middle of the ride. Oh. And and so we got ushered back through the back door, of, like the back uh, cast area, and uh, um, I was able to come back later and do the whole ride without any problems, um, and it's super fun. There's one part of the ride that I had no indication was going to happen. It completely surprised me, and I'm not going to tell anybody what it is because it was so fun. That it was such a surprise. Nice. nice. So when the ride came to a halt and they ushered you out of the experience, did they at any point try to keep it in universe or were they just like, hey, the, the ride's broke. We're going to have you guys come out here. <laughs> like, No, no, it was 100% in universe until you basically l- were in the back area. Um, all the, the Imperials, because you are walking uh, mm-hmm. at this point where I was. Um, basically, you're on a ride. You walk to the next part of the ride. And then you get on the next part of the ride. And so there's a kind of a transition area. Um, kind of helps with the flow, but you're also walking through the Star Destroyer. And uh, they, the all the Imperials there were 100% in character. They were great. Nice. That is cool. And it's, yeah, basically they had said, eh, it's been a year. Um, something like... Uh, it's like we're going to take you back into holding or something like that. <laughs> you know, that that is the theme. For 2020, right there. It's been a year. <laughs> it's been, definitely been a year, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So with that, we're going to move on to uh, TV and the uh, other stuff. Uh, let's see. We've got from home video releases, Solo, a Star Wars story, finally got added to Disney+. Plus. Uh, episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker, also hit Disney+, Plus as well as released to home video. Uh, let's see, we've got, this is where we're going to get Disney plus friendly and, uh, well, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm excited about this part of the show as years come, because this is definitely going to be growing, uh, which is something that hadn't been like, usually it was just like, Oh, we got a movie. All right. That's it. We're done with the TVs and stuff. So with that, let's just jump into it. So we got, uh, hunted premiered on electronic apps, uh, Electronic Arts Star Wars YouTube channel. It was a CG short. Uh, Clone Wars put out a bunch of episodes that we got on Disney Plus. Finally, uh, there was yep season seven. Uh, one uh, episodes one through twelve of season seven all came out. Yeah, gotta love season seven too. Uh, Disney Gallery uh, that launched. The downside, I think, with Disney Gallery was that when we got to season two, it seems to be just one episode. Um, if you have as 
yeah, as we've moved away from its weekly release, I'm 100% guaranteeing you it is just that one episode. That's so sad. I was hoping like maybe like a couple weeks ago by and they drop another one because that first season was so cool. Uh, you know, it, it had so much details and insight about not just how they created things, but how the process worked that I was really looking forward to season two, especially after the way season two went with where they went with the story. I was really looking forward to those insights because some of my favorite episodes of those were the last two to three, uh, the score and technology. The last two episodes are probably the best episodes of season one of Disney gallery. They give you just everything you wanted to know about, about what's going on and stuff. And then we get to season twos and it was just like, boop, there's one episode, which was a good episode, but definitely left you wanting more, especially after the first season did so good on so many you know levels. I was just like, man, what a bummer. Yeah. The season two was actually kind of funny because uh, the way they did like season one is they broke it up by uh, content, like uh, special effects and, um, digital effects and the cast and the directors and each of those was its own episode whereas the second um, season one episode was basically a 10 minutes per episode of the season and it kind of went through and kind of jumped episodes that way talking about each episode a little bit and then when you get to the final episode which i won't spoil right at this moment but we'll get into it in a little um when they get to the big surprise at the end of the the, the second season they don't talk about it at all. Like, completely avoided it. <laughs> oh, bummer. <laughs> uh, let's see. Galaxy Adventures put out about 18 or so episodes. Uh, I mean, it's a, a, a gauntlet of stuff. We got a, an unlikely friendship, Battle of Hoth, BB-8, a hero rolls out, Clash on Cloud City, Journey to Dagobah, Kylo Ren and Darth Vader, a legacy of power, Kylo Ren versus Resistance Rebels, Leia Organa, a princess, a general, a mentor, an awesome lady in her own right. I'm sorry. No, that wasn't all of it. Uh, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's <laughs> Run, uh, Black Spire Outpost, and Rise of the Resistance premiered. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi premiered. Uh, Rendezvous at Bespin. Ray Finn versus Kylo Ren. Ray and Friends versus the First Order. Star Wars Droids, the First Order versus the Resistance. The Force Calls to Ray. Wrapping up the Falcon Sithmas battle. I love the fact that the word Sithmas is making more of a return. All I want for mm-hmm. Life Day, Reindeer Walker, and Snowflake Snack. Um, and then a whole new show that dropped Jedi Temple Challenge. Now, Jim, we got kids, so this like should be right up our alley. Um, I only saw two episodes. What I did see was really cool and exciting, um, but because of the fact that it dropped on a YouTube channel, and I really don't watch a lot of YouTube videos like my kids do. Um, my daughter watched them all, but I only saw two episodes. Um, Ahmed Best was the host. I thought that was really cool to bring him back and to give him an opportunity to be a, a Jedi and a total badass for once. Um, you know, I mean, Jar Jar's a badass in his own right, but he's definitely a, a custom-flavored taste. Uh, so to see yeah. Ahmed Best get to do something like that outside of the Jar Jar role was really cool. Um, but... I, for me, I liked just what I saw. It, it reminded me of a lot of those old kid shows like, uh, what was it, Double Dare or uh, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. Um, there's a couple other ones out there, like a temple or something like that. I can't remember the name of them. But Legends of the Hidden yes, Temple. Yes, that, that was the one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and honestly, I'm surprised they took so long to do something like this. <laughs> this mm-hmm. should be something they have at Disneyland and Disney World. Like this should, you know, I mean, I love the Jedi Academy temple thing that they have, but honestly, like it might, it might be time to retire that and put this in instead. Like, I think that that would be a really cool addition. 
Yeah, I actually, like, I haven't watched any of the YouTube shows. And the reason is the same as you, is I don't watch YouTube. It's not easy to get to on my TV. I don't generally watch shows on my computer or my phone. And so, like, just trying to, like, get these. Like, if it, if these were on Disney+, Plus, I totally 100% would have watched them. Right. But the fact that they're on YouTube, it's just, it's not in front of me. And, like, I, I even looked for the Jedi Temple Challenge on Disney Plus when it first came out. I'm like, oh, I really I wanted to watch it because I, I, I grew up on Legends of the Temple and Double Dare. And, like, I loved those shows. Mm-hmm. And so I was excited. I was excited Ahmed Best was back. And I then I found out that it was on YouTube and I never went any further. Like, I, I still want to watch them, but it's, it's it, that's a barrier that it's just not – I'm not able to overcome. <laughs> right. Like anytime I'm watching YouTube videos, it's not because I sought out YouTube videos. It's like I Googled something and then started watching one video. And the next thing I know, like I saw another video and another video. And now I'm suddenly at that video. Like I, I didn't intend to get here. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, like I don't sit at my computer and watch YouTube. Like unless I'm like trying to fix something around the house and the YouTube video is on there. Like I, I like to lay in bed or on the couch and I know I have YouTube on my TV, mm-hmm. but it is really not well integrated into a TV system. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, one that excited me on a totally different level. And I think at the same time, probably made a lot of people's subcockle areas of their hearts clench and fear was the Lego star Wars holiday special premiering on Disney plus. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that term holiday special and immediately things tighten. <laughs> yeah. But I'll be honest, I watched it. I really liked it. Uh, one, it's in that quasi Lego universe. Um, you know, I, everything's canon except for the fact that you can't make Lego canon. So I, whether they say it or not, Lego is its own canon. There's a, a, a Lego canon universe that does its own things. That's like loosely tied to everything else. Uh, but I like the idea that we got to see past the rise of Skywalker. Uh, we're watching Ray training Finn to be a Jedi. I thought that was pretty awesome. One missed opportunity though, was there's this whole aspect where she's going from the world within world kind of thing and jumping from place to place and time and all this stuff. And I kept thinking, how cool would it have been to have put in a quick little tongue in cheek moment where as she's traveling from places and times, she accidentally jumps into the legends universe. And there is Jason, Jaina and Anakin solo doing something. And she looks at him and says something. And Jaina's like wrong universe. <laughs> I thought that would have been just, Oh, that, that would have been, you're right. I hadn't thought of that. That would have been hilarious. Because in, the Lego universe, the fact that it kind of stands apart would have been the perfect way to bridge the two together and keep them all completely separate. Like, I just, that would have been so smart. And I think that that's one aspect about the whole change with Legends and the Lucasfilm side of things that really upsets me. Because before Legends was shifted, Lucasfilm was all about Legends. You know, they were always pushing the narrative, it's all one continuous canon, blah, blah, blah. And then when it all changed, it's like everyone at Lucasfilm will not touch Legends with a 12-foot pole. These people that claim to love it and stuff and like have all these opportunities to tie this stuff in in great ways and they never do it. It just bothers the show. It drives me nuts, man. I'm like, come on. This would be an awesome way to tell everybody that we love Star Wars in all its shapes and forms. Nah. Yeah, and that was even written by Leland Chi. Ah, gee, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. And so I think my, my, I, I was super excited for it because I kind of have a, it's so bad, it's good aspect of the holiday special where right. I'll never watch it again because it is that bad. <laughs> right. Um, 
but the fact that they were bringing it back, I was excited to see that in in the Lego form. And I generally I like the newer Lego stuff and the Star Wars because they're a lot of fun. Right. My my biggest problem with this one though was what is one of the issues that the sequel trilogy um kind of that kept coming up is that they they pushed their the the people of color in the sequel trilogy kind of got pushed to the side. You had Rose pushed aside. You had Finn pushed aside. Their storylines ended up not really mattering once you get to the end of the Rise of Skywalker. They they, they were not the important parts of that storyline. Even Poe. What? Yeah, and even Poe. And what happens in the Lego Holiday Special? You have Ro- Ray training Finn and Rose there, and they even like they got a lot of new voice actors, but they had um, Rose. Uh, um, what Tran? The, uh, Kelly, yeah, Kelly Marin Chan. They had her there as a voice actor for this, and she still gets pushed to the side. Like Finn gets pushed to the side. They like they could have totally brought Finn in on this uh, adventure with Ray as part of his training. Like he accidentally gets stumbles into this, like as part of his training, and had um, Finn be a major part of the storyline. Cool. I felt like he got pushed to the, the side again. And that really rather annoyed me. And I'm like, it's like, you didn't learn your lesson from the sequel trilogy and you keep pushing the same problems on this. Yeah. Um, before we get to the Mandalorian though, I feel like we should kind of wrap up the TV with the Mandalorian since that's like the big, you know, boom of it all. Uh, there was resistance stuff. Um, I say that because like, honestly, I've tried to get into resistance about 12 to 16 times and I still can't get past season one. Like that show just bores the ever living crap out of me. And it's not that it doesn't have promise. There is potential for a great story there. It just, nobody seized on it. It was like, we had these great shows, the Clone Wars, then we had Rebels and then we're like, "Eh, let's just. Put some filler out there and and even though we've got all this awesome setup for a great story here like we could this whole story could have been telling about the colossus and how it became its own rebel cell no we didn't like no we're missing all these great opportunities like there's a premise that that could have been the case but we never utilize it like the most we get is kaz has a line in rise of skywalker from one of the ships okay they're tied together um yeah, so when we get to, you know, no escape, uh, rebuilding the resistance, the escape, the mutiny, the new world, I just, I never got there. Uh, and then season two got added to Disney Plus, and I still haven't got there. I Tell me, Jim, is there is there any hope for me? Should I, should I be expecting it to get better in season two? <laughs> um, maybe? Like I, I have watched all of Resistance. Um, the end of season one, I really enjoyed when they brought uh, Poe back, and you got a really like kind of a firm timeline of this is when Poe is starting to get ready to go on his um, the Force Awakens route. And then from that point through the beginning of season two, I rather enjoyed because you kind of have this overarching. It's taking place at the same time as the movies, and you're wondering like what's happening during the Last Jedi. And then they kind of fall away again. And it's not as bad as the bad episodes of season one, but it's still kind of this monotonous 
a storytelling that doesn't have as big of an impact as you feel it could. You're like you're you're watching it going. There could be so much more, and and I think you um, said it perfectly. Is it had a lot of promise, and they never really took that promise, and like it, it felt like you could sit there and like. I hate when people write their own episodes because you are not the writer. You're not getting paid for this. But I feel like a lot of people could have gone in there and rewrote these to be better um, and more impactful. Yeah, it almost felt and like I, somebody I, involved in the writing process was just too afraid to commit to anything. They're like, let's just, you know, let's just tell a story and we won't connect it to anything. Whereas like the other shows, it's like, well, what could we take from this, that and the other thing and tie in? And I kept waiting for those tie ins. It just never seemed to happen. I was just like, and, and even like with BB-8, like here's an opportunity you could have brought in a whole nother droid just for Kaz, but instead we use BB-8, which continues to add to the question of like, what is wrong with Poe? Why, you know, why is Poe letting everybody and their dog take his damn astromech droid? <laughs> and he doesn't have a backup? <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. And I think another missed opportunity is that they ended this after the second season. Which I think they ended after the second season because they didn't know how to either tie it into Rise of Skywalker or it had it wasn't doing well enough ratings wise for them. It, it, it seems really weird that they would cancel this show after two seasons, right? Um, and it's absolutely a gorgeous show. I actually love the visual aspects of the show. Well, wow. one of my favorite things about the show is like how gorgeous it looks. But then you get towards the end of second season, which takes place in twenty twenty, and that's where everything starts to build up and you have the uh, confrontation with the um with the not new order first order with the first order mm-hmm. sorry and that's where you kind of get like your 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 big battles and it's good but it still doesn't tie directly into the rise of skywalker and i you needed that with this show you needed it to tie there and as you said they did have kaz and Jaeger um, are in the novelization, at least. I don't know if they're in the actual movie, but they're in the novelization kind of when everybody comes in at the end of the movie. They're they're called, having their call signs come in. So they are there, but you don't, you're missing that, that gap of time between the end of the show and the beginning of the movie that mm-hmm. I think really needed to be there. And uh, to me, I think that that's just another product of the nature of how they decided to go forward with the sequel trilogy by going with different directors and, and kind of building the story as they went along because here, this show is trying to establish things that would tie into that, but they have no information as to how that could possibly be. And so they're trying to play it loose. And then what you get is a show that feels very unconnected to the major events. And yet when you're looking at the premise of the show, you're like, well, this should be pretty damn connected. I mean, the resistance at this point is down to like less than 20 people. They've got no ships. Like they're hurting the Colossus with all these, you know, fighter ships and stuff, these racers on it would be a great addition to things. But yet we never tie the two together because clearly whoever was writing resistance was completely out of the loop with what was going on with the films. And there was just missed opportunities galore. I mean, to me, that that seems to be the glaring obvious why we got what we got. Yeah, I think. I think there was a lot of people out of the loop on what was going on with the films. (laughs) (laughs) 
one other thing before we get into the best show that Disney Plus has put out would be uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Adventure Waits uh, arrived on D- uh, Disney Plus. Check that out. That's always cool. I remember when that actually launched uh, like after a football game or something as a TV special. Like I had caught it on there and then forgotten all about it until it came on Disney Plus. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um the nitty and the gritty, though, is that Mandalorian Season 2 premiered on Disney Plus with Chapter 9, The Marshal. Uh, we had 9, The Marshal, 10, The Passenger, 11, The Heiress, 12, The Siege, 13, The Jedi, 14, The Tragedy, 15, The Believer, and, of course, 16, The Rescue. Um, save this one for last because, of course, you know, we haven't had a chance to really talk about The Mandalorian yet. So this is kind of like it for us at the moment. Um, Jim... How would you say, would you say season two was a, a much better uh, step up from season one? Or are you one of those in the camp of season one felt more fresh and season two felt more like we were returning to a bunch of stuff that came before? Because um, there's some people that really felt like season one was a stronger season than season two. And I feel like most of the people that feel that way are those that aren't fans of the universe feeling a little bit smaller by tying big characters into things. Uh, Where do you sit on that fence? I think both of those are valid um, things because that's exactly what we got here. We got it. I think season two was better. I think it had better storytelling. I think it had better graphics by far. Um, You go back to that first episode and it looked like he was playing a video game. And then when you find out that, uh, find out that the first like part of the season was, animated by the unreal engine i like i found that out and i like yelled i'm like i knew it looked like a video game (laughs) it was a video game um but like the second season like i think the storyline was tighter i did have some major problems with the story um mostly around ahsoka and i don't think she was done well in this at all i think she was um a a, they wanted the Tai Ahsoka in, and they didn't know how. And uh, the way they did it, it could have been literally any Jedi in that part. It didn't even need to be a Jedi, at, at some of it. Um, but, like, when you go to the uh, the the gallery episode, that Dave Filoni's talking about how we need to find out Grogu's name. And what is the best way to have Grogu's name? Well, we could have Ahsoka say it because she can do the Force connection with him. And that is literally the only reason that Ahsoka was in it. It was to tell us Grogu's name. Right. Well, there was that and the the tie with Bo-Katan knowing her as the aspect of, hey, here, Din, here's the information. Like, that kind of made sense as in a dropping a breadcrumbs trail. But you're right. It could have been any other Jedi. It, it, it totally could have. And, like, it could have been some other way. But that's... I think that was the the weakest part of the season for me. And I think it kept getting stronger as it went through the season. And I really, I really enjoyed it. I loved how it ended. It made total sense. Um, I don't know. We're going to, when we're going to spoil that. I assume we are. Yeah. Oh yeah, we will. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when I was talking uh, with Michael Morris on Mando cast about this season, because he had me on to talk about the whole season. I, for me, I would say the weakest episode would have been The Passenger. Um, but that doesn't mean it's a bad episode. It had a lot of adventure and action as well. Uh, but it was definitely the one that plot-wise, I felt like it had the least come back to. I mean, it definitely had a reason why we had that moment, because it, it gives you why the New Republic would show up later. Um, but for me, the heiress 
was probably one of my favorite episodes of the season because that's when Bo-Katan shows up, which I loved. But I think the thing I liked the most about that episode was the information drop that she gives us. She gives us the reason why Din's faction is, you know, this is the way, why they have to wear their their helmets and everything. Uh, She sets up what's been going on with why the Darksaber is no longer with her, what's going on with Mandalore. There was a lot going on in that episode that I really liked. I also really enjoyed the Marshall because it brought in, uh, what's his butt? Uh, Cobb Vance. Vance. Yeah. From life debt. Uh, I thought that was cool. Seeing those characters make the jump over. The other thing with Bo-Katan being that Katie Stackoff got to actually reprise the role. And I think that that was probably something too, when we get to the Jedi, that was a hard aspect of Rosario Dawson was there were just a lot of people that were hoping to see the same thing with Ashley Eckstein playing Tano. Mm-hmm. I know I was okay with Rosario playing the role, but I was hoping that we would end up getting to hear Ashley Eckstein voice the character still. Cause like, it's a, you know, when, when you hear a certain voice for so long, it kind of becomes that character. So I was really hoping to see that. I did love the uh, embracing of Rosario Dawson that Ashley Eckstein did on social media and stuff. Uh, just accepting her as being Ahsoka and the two of them taking that character to new levels. I, I really liked that camaraderie with the voice actors and the actual actress and, and the way that that went about. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you in the aspect of when the Jedi episode dropped, it brought up a lot of questions. Like, you know, she drops Thrawn's name, which is cool, but yeah, we were still the question mark of when does this Ahsoka take place compared to the epilogue of rebels Ahsoka. Um, and even Filoni yeah. hinted at, you know, we don't really know because like when we watched the rebels epilogue, and she's got that staff. There's a part of me that's thinking Din's going to shape that sphere to look like that and give it to her. I, I keep having this feeling that the epilogue of Rebels is taking place after what we've been at on the Mandalorian. Um, that at this time frame, she's looking for Thrawn and then she'll come for Sabine and realize that the way to find Thrawn is to find Ezra. That if she finds Ezra, she'll be able to find Thrawn. At least that's where my brain's going with it. We, it could be something totally different. But I think that that's part of the problem with the Jedi episode. And by using Ahsoka is it makes you start to think about, okay, well, what, what, what's going on with this, that, and the other thing? You know, and, and when we went Mandalorian, immediately I was thinking, well, Sabine should show up at some point. Because she's a Mandalorian. She's got tie-ins with Jedi and all this stuff. But they don't go there with her. And that's like, well, is they're going to leave her on Lothal until after this show. That would make sense for that story arc. Um, but I think that that's definitely something about this that makes me stop and, and question a lot of what's going on in this era. I'm like, hmm, where are we going to go with this with that character? Because I kind of like, there's a part of me that's like, maybe we'll see Ahsoka in, or not Ahsoka in, we'll see Ahsoka in the Ahsoka show, Jim. How about that? <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm wondering if what we'll see in the Ahsoka show is her go off and, and maybe meet up with Luke and Grogu, or if it's a setup to uh, her meeting up with Sabine and leaving, or if that's it. Like maybe, you know, we see her in this, right? She doesn't take Grogu. Then we get the epilogue on Rebels where she gets with Sabine. And then the Ahsoka show starts up and it's her and Sabine on that adventure. I mean, we don't know enough about where the the Ahsoka story was going to really place that. And so, like, for me, when she showed up in this, like, I started immediately starting to wonder where it was going to go and and taking all the information I had and kind of putting the puzzle together to see if I could see a picture. Um, But there's still, there's too many unknowns still. Yeah, I think, my personal opinion is that you're right. We don't know when the rebels um, part 
takes place in association with her here. And it could take place either or where Sabine, if, if rebels took place first, where Sabine now. And so it's one of those, like you can obviously Sabine doesn't need to be there if they've already like met up and Sabine's off doing her own part of the, the search. And so I think, I think the Ahsoka show will kind of fill in all those gaps um, in our knowledge, because one way or another, we need to have those gaps filled. We need to know how Ahsoka and Sabine kind of continue on their journey. Mm-hmm. And so we need, even if it's an exposition at some point, we need to kind of fill in those gaps. And I keep leaning towards the Ahsoka show is where we're going to get more of Grogu. Because, like, you know, you go after the Jedi, we go to the tragedy, which is where we see Grogu get captured. We watch uh, the ship get destroyed. So, you know, now Din's shipless. Um, Believer, which was a great episode uh, where we get to see uh, Mayfield come back and stuff. Uh, but then when we get to the rescue, which was probably one of the coolest dang episodes ever. Like the more I watched, the more I absolutely love it. I wasn't really on board with Luke showing up when I first watched it. But by the second and third time, I was full send. I was in love. Fourth time through, the music hit me. I was just in tears. Like it was just so beautifully done. But I'm like, okay, so where do we go from here when it comes to Din's story? Does the Mandalorian just focus exclusively on on Din and going to Mandalore for season three? Or is Grogu still part of this story? And we're going to see, you know, episodes that focus on Din, where half of the episode focuses on Grogu. Or is Grogu going to be completely out of the picture again until Din runs into him? And at that point, Grogu comes back. And if that's the case... Will we use Ahsoka to see what's going on with Grogu or maybe Rangers of the New Republic or something like that, where we're still seeing it because it's all set in the same time zone. So maybe that's where we get more of Grogu's story. I just, I definitely, with where they put Grogu with Luke, like it could be that's the last we see of that character. But at the same time, with his importance to this show, I kind of feel like casting him off like that is a disservice to the character. Yeah, I think... When you look at it, Grogu wasn't actually all that important to the show. He was the um, MacGuffin, if you will. He was the driving force of the show, but him himself wasn't really part of the show all that much. He he was here and there. But I think part of the problem with this season was it was a lot of the Mando shows up. He helps somebody because he needs something. And then it, that's the end of the episode. And so each episode, Demando shows up and he helps somebody. Next episode, Demando shows up and he helps somebody. And I think that kind of turned when we get to the tragedy, um, where it's actually just the Mando storyline, where he's actually doing stuff for himself as opposed to helping somebody else do something. Right. And that was kind of my my issue with the beginning of the season. It's like it, it became really pronounced um, by the time we got to the Jedi episode where the Mando's just showing up to help people. And it's that's their entire storyline. I, I love that meme where it's Luke's like, yes, I could train him. But first, I need you to do this. And he's like, oh, God. Yes. Oh, I hadn't <laughs> I hadn't seen that uh, meme, but that is 100 percent it. Like, that's the season. Right. Right. Uh, pretty much. I mean, for me, the aspect of Grogu's story that really plays into this is because Din's a character that's a foundling, so he doesn't really have a family. And so since Grogu was introduced, it reintroduced to Din the sense of having a family. And he was reluctant to, you know, even accept the vigil at first uh, and then becoming a clan. When he does get the vigil and he, or sigil and he becomes the clan of two, he thanks the armor. I mean, even though he was reluctant before to even take the credit and stuff. But once he is and she flat out tells him, like, you're his father, uh, you know, and and that's where I'm like, where are they going with his story? Because it was like, 
you get told that Grogu is going to be in Din's charge unless he can find his people. Well, he doesn't really find his people. He just finds other Jedi. And even Luke says once he's trained, he won't be in danger. But it's like, so is Luke going to train him and how to use the force so he will be protected from the dark side and then he's going to give him back to Din? Uh, you know, I mean, to me, it, it felt like a good chunk of their story was the fact that these two were meant to be together, that the two of them brought out better aspects of each other in a sense, or at least definitely for Din. Um, like, so I, I, I don't know. I, I get excited about that and, and the possibilities where we go. I definitely feel like season three is going to be focused on Mandalore because for Din's character, he basically told Bo-Katan, like, whatever you do, help me get Grogu back and I'll do whatever you need. And we see Fett take off with the ship and he's got, uh, uh, Shia or whatever her name is on it with him. So Din Fennec, Fennec, Fennec Shan. yeah. So Fennec's with Boba. They take slave one. So clearly Din's still with Bo and them on that little, uh, gauzy ship. And their last known destination was going back to Mandalore. So it, to me, it seems clear that he is definitely with Bo-Katan for the long run. But what gets me the most about that though, is like when you get to that scene in the rescue, where Din shows up on the bridge, he's got Gideon, and he's got the dark saber in hand. When you watch Katie stack off the actress playing in that moment, I felt like she was channeling her villain character from the Flash. Like one hundred percent, the facial emotions, like her neutral face, everything about it felt like she was playing that character. And I felt like you know, Katie's the type that she's going to play into that kind of subtlety. So you know, she knows that here Din's holding on to something that her character desperately needs. And you just start to see like the jealousy play across her face. And that immediately made me think, you know, season three could have a lot of conflict in that regard if they play that up. Because we still don't know exactly how Gideon got the Darksaber. And we don't know exactly how she changes the idea that it was okay to take it from Sabine and weld it. But she can't do the same for Din. And I feel like there was a lot in how she lost the Darksaber that explains why she won't just take it now. And... That is both intriguing and scary as all hell. Because if you think about the fact that, like, if she is legitimately only going to get it through combat and she can only get it by defeating Din, like, we're, we're bound for conflict. <laughs> like, I think that's cool because I don't want to see her as a bad guy, but I do kind of want to see that moment where we get, like, an Anakin and Obi-Wan on Mustafar again, where we're watching the two heroes go at it. Like, I think that we're poised for that in this, and I, I'm excited for that, man. Yeah, I think I, I think you're right. I think the fact that she wouldn't take it there is huge um, compared to Rebels, and the fact that like you have Dave Filoni working on both shows. This is not a this is not an inconsistency. Like they they're going to explain this, and um, I think it was mostly because she didn't take it by combat before, which is how things kind of fell apart. And that's kind of where I'm leading on this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And just think, guys, next year there's going to be even more. Um, and from here on out, it sounds like we're going to get more and more. So granted, the downside is, is that there's only so many of the episodes. I mean, you know, think about Mandalorian season two came out, started launching what end of October, November ish. And it was done by December. Um, so that's a downside. But when you look at the quality of the storytelling and stuff, it's exciting. Um, super stoked about that. I think 2020 is a year that we'll all be excited to look back on and say, thank God we don't have to deal with that again. 
Um, although, unfortunately, it does seem like 2021, and we're going to do a repeat. So we'll see. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I am I am tired. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, Jim. Any uh, final thoughts on the year twenty twenty before we wrap it up? Um, I think twenty twenty was a weird year because with all of the pandemic stuff going on, a lot of things got delayed. Um, like the whole High Republic got delayed. It was supposed to be released in August. It got delayed to January. Comics got pushed back. And so then we started eventually getting releases of the comics, but they were um, a lot later than they were anticipating on. Uh, we didn't get the, the books, and we like we talked about, the hotel um, isn't where it's supposed to be. So a lot of things got pushed back from where they were supposed to be. And I know The Mandalorian wasn't impacted just because it happened to, shut, it happened to finish wrapping um, shooting just before everything shut down. So that was kind of a, a lucky break there. Well, and I wonder on that too, because like when season two ended, we got the little, you know, stay tuned for more on the book of Boba Fett coming December of 2021. And we're all like, what? And then we're like, wait a minute. How is the book of Boba Fett a show that was one of the last announced shows? I mean, it was only announced in the episode. Like they didn't even show it at the, at the Disney uh, release stuff where they were dropping all the other shows coming and stuff. And yet, we don't know anything about it. Like it, it, the fact that that's coming out before the Andor series and the Mandalorian season three. Like, how did that jump so far ahead? <laughs> like, that has to be think- more going on in the background there. That something had to happen with Andor. Like the Andor series to me, that should be the next series to drop. Like that one's been announced for forever ago. Yeah, I think they purposely didn't announce the book of Boba Fett. Well, they had to have purposely not announced it, and I think it was just because that uh, that closing credits scene. Right. But um, and that makes sense. So, but the fact that the Boba Fett one, the show, is actually going to take place before other announced shows seems weird to me. Like, like I almost wonder, like, is that a product of the 2020 development with the production of the other shows? And so they were like, well, we can do more of this in CGI and it's only one or two characters who happen to already be wearing masks. I mean, it's just COVID hit our world and it was so, you know, a, a shakeup on so many levels of what you can do, what you can't do, what state you can do this and what state you can do that in and stuff. And it made me automatically start to think about that when this show was announced to be coming out next year. And yet Andor, which we've known about for years, and even Mandalorian season three are both still questions as to when those are going to come out like it's just like huh i i i feel like there's more to that story and i feel like covid has a heavy hand and why <laughs> yeah there's also kenobi um get wrapped up in that not quite sure what's going what? on uh, i know they had problems with uh, the script and so they went back but then they're still not filming whereas the boba fett supposedly had already started filming and so did Andor. Right. Which I guess gets to that aspect of back when they announced Andor and they announced Kenobi, there was rumors of a Boba Fett standalone. So, I mean, if the book of Boba Fett is basically a retooling of that, then I guess that does make a little more sense. Yeah. I'm wondering if the book of Boba Fett is just Mandalorian season three before Mandalorian season three comes back out. Cause we don't have a, a release date for Mandalorian season three. Mm-hmm. And I, it, since you have all of the prime actors already in, you can quickly convert over the Mandalorian into the Book of Boba Fett and kind of use that kind of as the um, 
the placeholder for where the Mandalorian would sit. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people originally had thought that the book of Boba Fett was going to be the title of season three, uh, which they've since said flat out said, no, it's going to be its own show, which was, Oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, when that dropped, there was a lot of questions. People were like, wait a minute, what's going And I mean, it made sense to keep that out of the announcement that they gave a week or two weeks before the episode dropped. Cause like with Grogu showing up, it was like, Oh, Hey, cool. And even Luke, like, I mean, the Mandalorian's proving that there are things that they can keep from the fandom in a fandom that happens to find every kind of leaked information way early. The fact that neither one of Grogu or, uh, Luke or the book of Boba Fett splashed out beforehand is pretty damn amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially given all the leaks. Like I was, I didn't believe any of the leaks that were coming out about season two because they didn't release Grogu. Like, that was completely unheard of. Right. Um, before the first episode released. And so I didn't believe any of the leaks, and almost all of them turned out to be true. <laughs> right? Like, you had Timmy Oliphant coming as Cobb Vamp. That was called, and that was 100% true. You had Rosaria Dawson coming as Ahsoka, 100% true. Even Katie Sackoff coming as Bo-Katan. And I'm like... Although that's fan casting, it's also the most obvious choice mm-hmm. because Katie Sackhoff is a live action actress mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, she does do voiceover, but she's known as a live action actress. And so her coming back in TV, of which she has been known to do TV quite regularly. Mm-hmm. And so that, that that one seemed like an obvious choice and she would fit the bill on that one. Whereas Ashley Eckstein coming back as Ahsoka did not seem as obvious um, especially getting Ahsoka on screen to kind of look like Ahsoka. Right. So I was kind of surprised that she didn't do the voiceover for it, though. Yeah, it, you know, and I'm one of those that, like, yeah, it's a small complaint, but I was a Liku guy. I was like, Liku are really short, man. Come on now. you're every, Half the show is CG. You can't CG a little extra tip on there? Come on now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought of that, too. I mean, yeah, you know, like, but. and... I mean, I get it. Like, each medium has its own, you know. So, I mean, you know, it was a cartoon to begin with, and they were taking liberties and stuff. But, I mean, I think back when we had Mortis, and we saw a future version of Ahsoka, and then we get a future version of Ahsoka in Rebels, like, there was a lot of that. Like, okay, there's going to be some differences from one medium to the next. So, you know, I get that. But, yeah, I I was in that boat of... She didn't quite look like what I would expect Ahsoka to look like 100%. She was definitely in the 90 percentile of what I thought Ahsoka would look like. But when it came to the action, and I think that's always going to be a hard thing. When you go from an animation Jedi jumping around from building to building, doing uh, flips, circle kicks, swoop kicks, and all these kind of acrobatics, to then going to the live action, it's it, it felt almost like going from the cartoon was watching episode 3 uh, the battle on Mustafar, and then going to the live action, which was Vader and Kenobi on the Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> that was how, that was how my eyes that. were. Registered. I don't think it was that bad. I don't think it was that. No, bad, not that but bad, yeah, but it's definitely, definitely in the in the guise of <laughs> <laughs> definitely in there. A lot older. Um, their backs hurt. Uh, their their knees quite just aren't quite up to the the same challenge that they were when they were kids right uh yes kind of like this episode it's it's not quite the same as it was when it was a kid Man, 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 man
Well, Jim, I think that about wraps up this uh, episode of Star Wars Beyond the Films. We'd like to thank you once again for hanging around with us as we ponder on sharing our fandom. Remember, you can always listen to our episodes streaming online on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes are also available on Zoom, Stitcher, as well as Spotify and iTunes. And as always, we encourage you to leave us a review while you're at it. You can find links to our episodes on both our Twitter and Facebook pages at SWBeyondFilms, or just type in Star Wars Beyond the Films in the search bar. Hey, but no matter how you get there, be sure to like our Facebook page. It's one of the best ways to interact with us. It's our own home one, if you will. Not only can you post comments to us about the show, we love interacting with you fellow fans. So if you have any Star Wars and or Legends questions, or if you want to comment about a past episode, fire off. You can always email us directly at SWBeyondFilms at StarWarsFanWorks.com Speaking of past episodes, you can find them all at www.StarWarsReport.com slash BeyondTheFilms Now lastly, before we go, we wanted to mention to you our sponsors, Audible if you go to www.audibletrial.com slash Star Wars Report, you get a free trial run of Audible to see what it's all about. Our sponsors have more than 100,000 titles. You can explore the Star Wars expanded universe or any other genre without being stuck with the book you flat out hate. Audible members, they can exchange any book within 12 months. That's one year with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making that switch from the page to the audiobook, Audible just might be right for you. So once again, for Star Wars Beyond the Films, this has been Mark and Whistler. And Jim. Saying thanks for listening and may the force be with you. And don't quote us the odds that 2021 will be any better than that last unnameable year. Mm -hmm. All I know is I made a joke to my wife earlier in the year that I don't want to be true. But it was one of those like looking back in 2040. I remember 2020. It was 2020. 2021. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, four, <laughs> years of 2020! <laughs> no, no! <laughs> uh. <laughs> mm. What are the odds that our next year in review will be as short as this? This was short, sweet, to the point. <laughs> it was. I need to read more books. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when the book lists catch up and you're sitting there and you're looking at the side of your bed and you're like, already got three books and then another one shows up. You're like, I need more hours in a day, man. Can we have a 36-hour day on like an eight-day week with four days on the weekend? <laughs> they'll, then they'll have, be able to put out more books. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. I never looked at the big picture. <laughs> We'll always accept them at the email. We can always you can always email us directly at www.starsreport. You can oh god, I was doing good, Jim. I was doing real good. I was impressed. I'm like, ooh, is this a recording? No, this is him going. He says it. No, no, there it goes. There, there's, there it that. Goes. there's the train yeah. running off the track. So he it's, fell it's off the horse. Oh, it's the people. Oh. The people. His foot's caught in the stirrup. Oh, uh, the horse is dragging him down the railroad tracks. Look at him go. <laughs> uh, so if you have any Star Wars and or Legends questions, or if you want to comment about a past episode, fire off. You can always email us directly at swbeyondfilms at starwarsfanworks.com. Speaking of past episodes, you can find them all at www.starwarsfanworks.com. <laughs>